band one more time, son. They throwing it down, son. Hey, listen, man, we are so thankful you're here. There are a lot of volunteers that make this happen week in and week out. And we launched a new pre-show this week, as some of you saw. We're on the stage now. So many people working behind the scenes. So can you do me a favor and just put some love on them right now? Come on, y'all. Let me hear you. Come on. I know I say it a lot, but it really is true. You cannot do it without volunteers. If, it, if you don't have volunteers, it just doesn't happen. So thank you, thank you, thank you for every volunteer that makes it possible, whether it's taking care of kids or, you know, cafe, whatever it is behind the scenes. It's just awesome to have you. See, if you want to volunteer, we got a partner party coming up pretty soon. In the next month or so, maybe November, early November, we're going to try to have a partner party. So when we do that... Come on, be a part of it. We'd love for you to partner with us in volunteering and serving and just doing our best to make a difference in this community. We cannot do it without you. So welcome back because we're starting the second week of the series, Signs. It's all about having a little fun. We're going to make sure that you laugh a little bit, but then also we're going to help you learn some stuff in a minute. But before we learn, I'm going to just test your knowledge here. Any old people in the room? Where are my old people at? Come on. Last week we did a little Tesla, y'all may remember that, but this song right here, I have a feeling if you've heard any commercials recently, it seems like it's on a commercial run right now, here's another song that may be familiar, so let's listen, let's hear it, let's see what we got. Come on. Anybody remember I saw the sign? Well, I pulled some of your signs that you sent us so we can have a little fun with it. For example, honk if you love Jesus, text while you're driving if you want to meet him. Can I get an amen on that? Subway, we have fat-free lettuce, Amen. Come on, that's good right there. Things that tell the truth, small children, drunk people, and yoga pants. Amen. <laughs> if cats could text back, they wouldn't. Come on, y'all. That's a good one right there. You got to love it. And then here's the best. Have you called your mom today? Come on, give yourself a little love right there. Come on, come on, come on. If you see a sign, send it to us, all right? We're going to have a little fun with it, and we want you to know it means the world that you paid attention and you actually sent those in. All I had so many. We put some in the pre-show and some in the message, but... Here's where you share it, Justin at TheSimpleChurch.tv. You can send them, in, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's funny to you, I'll edit it, trust me. I know how some of y'all are praying for you, sinners, all right? But we've had a lot of fun with it, and we're going to continue that through this whole series. Now, some people are saying, well, Justin, why do y'all do laughing in service? You know, I grew up in church, you did not laugh in the service. Does anybody remember that? There was no humor. I mean, if you got caught laughing, you got pinched. You know what I'm saying? My mom would pinch us and twist. That's the devil, all right? Pinch is one thing. Twisting, she was the devil. But this is what I'm telling you. You got to be able to have a good time. There's a reason for it. Proverbs 17, 22. If you are cheerful, you feel good. Can I get an amen on that? It's just the truth, man. Listen, we got a lot of things going on. The world's tough on us. There's all kind of stuff happening. And it's tough if you're sad, you hurt all over. And that's not just old people because at 53, I hurt all over. But it's not just my sadness that will get me. Sometimes it's doing yard work like yesterday. So the goal is to get you in here and make you laugh a little bit and help you to feel better. And that is one of the reasons we want you to send the you know, signs in to enjoy the service because we want it to be enjoyable. And it's true, we also want you to learn something. So we want you to laugh and have a good time with it. But this is the part that I really want you to pay attention when it comes to the learning part. Philippians 4.9, look at this. Keep putting into practice all that you learn. The real goal is this. When you walk out of here, it should make a difference in the community, in your home, in the world that we live in. And let's all be honest, doesn't always happen, including me. I'm the guy who kind of puts it together and researches and crafts the message, if you will. But I still struggle with it too. But I'm telling you, we're working together, me and you together, and we want to put it into practice, what we've learned and what you saw me doing. And then the peace of God will be with you. When you're searching for peace and you're trying to figure out how to figure out, you know, following Christ and doing this whole Christianity thing, it can be complicated. It can be difficult. But this is the real goal. It's not about just what you know. It really is about putting into practice what you know. And the reason I say that, Simple Church turns 15 years old this year. Come on, give us a little birthday love right there. It's our birthday month, September. Launched the church 15 years ago. And for 15 years, Simple Church has been criticized on this next thing. It's the common criticism of Simple Church. You probably could figure out what it is, but I'm going to go ahead and relieve you and put it on the screen. It's because many people say, you're just not deep enough for me. Matter of fact, one of my good friends, he's a recent friend, started coming to Simple Church, came from another church. And uh, when we 
begin this relationship, he finally got to a place where he goes, man, I'm going to be honest with you. And this was just this week. He called and told me. I was like, what's that? He was like, man, I'm going to be honest with you. I was skeptical of the church. I just didn't think I'd really learn a whole lot. I heard it was real shallow, really wasn't deep, it, you know. But, man, it's been good, you know. And I'm like, well, thank you for telling me that because a lot of people really don't verbalize that. But I don't know if people figured this out. My goal, our goal as a church and me as the pastor is to help you. But it's not just to make you deeper. It's not just to go, man, I'm going to get you so deep in this faith that's going to change everything. The truth is, as we walk through today's message, I think you're going to understand why I don't really like this word of we're going deep or we need to be deeper. Because I don't really think that that was the whole idea of Jesus. Now, it is true that his idea was being a disciple, and that's what some other people are criticizing. They say, well, what are you doing to disciple people? I know y'all have reached a lot of people, and we've baptized thousands of people. There is another baptism coming up on October 30th down at Hurricane Alley. You do not miss it. We're going to have a worship night. We're going to take communion. We're going to baptize. It's going to be awesome. Stay and eat at Bojack's if you want, but just hang out and be with us because it's a special time. Because we celebrate, man, the Lord's Supper. We celebrate baptism. We celebrate great worship. But we also know that in those moments, people still criticize. I mean, there are people that are going to always look for something to criticize. And so they say, well, I know you're reaching people, but are you discipling them? Are you helping them? And I'm just going to be honest with you. Yes. Our goal is to try our best to help each and every person, whether they watch online or you're in this room, to become more like Christ. And as we start working through that, and I hear all these criticisms coming in, and people are kind of pointing the finger and all these different things, I thought, all right, here's a great signs message. Because I ran across an article that wants to, again, help all of us get a little better. You go, well, what do you mean get a little better? Well, this is an article by a guy by the name of Kerry Newoff, and he was just sending it out to leaders. And he sent this out, and it caught my attention, and you'll see why, because signs is in the title, when it says signs of spiritual maturity that actually show you lack it. And I thought, that's an interesting title. And I'm like, what is it, exactly does this mean? So as I start looking through it, I'll put it another way. It's really saying like, here's the sign that you are not as deep as you think you are. Now, I found another sign on a highway that says it better. Check yourself before you'll wreck yourself. Can I get an amen now? We all know that there are people, including maybe you, maybe some of us in this room, that at different times in our life, and I can definitely remember a time in my life, where I thought I was more mature than I was. I thought I was deeper than I was. And I even did some really stupid stuff and said some really things, but here is the goal is no one really helped me to check myself before I wrecked myself. And if you go, well, who's supposed to do that? Well, the truth was the Holy Spirit was working in my life. He was kind of trying to tell me, but I wasn't paying attention because I was deep. I was mature. And so when people start talking about, hey, is the simple church deep enough or, you know, are you really helping anybody, you know, become mature or are you really discipling anybody? All of these things are going on. Kerry put out a pretty good idea. He was like, hey, these are two signs, and I'm only going to cover two today, that say, hey, if you think this is the sign that shows you're mature, it might actually show that you're immature. And this is what I mean. Here's the first one. Many people that think they're mature, mature, they have a pride that they know much more Bible than you. And they're quick to tell you that. Well, I was studying the scriptures, and here's what God showed me. And this is what you need to know now, because you obviously don't know that. They kind of come across as arrogant, or they come across as they're smarter than you, or they, maybe they've been a Christian longer than you, and you don't really know everything. You're trying to just figure it out. And here comes somebody to go, oh, here's where you're wrong. Let me show you this, or you need to do this, or you need to do that. And the irony is it actually shows that you're not mature when you do that. It actually shows that you're immature. Now, this is why I say that. If we could just look at the scriptures, the scripture is pretty clear, 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 2, when it says stuff like this, it is certainly true that we all have knowledge. As you say knowledge. Wait, we all got knowledge. We have some level of knowledge, right? But this knowledge only fills people with pride. Now, I don't know if you know anybody like that. Don't look around. Don't elbow them. Look ahead, all right? Keep your head straight. But when I thought of this scripture and I thought about, do I know anybody that just thinks they know it all? They kind of got it all figured out. Man, I'm smarter than you and you don't need it. You know, all those things that go on. I grew up watching Saturday Night Live because I'm a sinner. Anybody else? Any sinners in here? 
This is what I thought of when I thought of that right there. Y'all remember church lady? Now, the truth is, is I knew one of these ladies. She was at Westside Baptist where I grew up. But this was the church lady from Saturday Night Live. And they'd always just look at you. Mm. Could it be Satan? Y'all remember that part? Now, if you're old, you might remember the skits. For all the young people, you're like, man, what is he talking about? Well, this is Dana Carvey. It was called uh, Church Chat with the church lady. And it was all talking about the church because they knew there were more mature people in the church and people that looked down on people like this. Watch. And now it's time for Church Chat. Well, isn't that special? I can remember that face. I can remember that attitude. And it's unfortunately not just back in the day. It is still happening today. And here is the irony is people think, man, I know so much. I got this Bible figured out. I am a Christian. I've been a long time Christian. And then they turn into that. Not very attractive. Not very friendly. And you go, well, what difference does that make you know, with anything? Well, let's continue 1 Corinthians chapter 8 because this is why it matters. It is love that helps the church grow stronger. See, this is what bugs me because I'm not there yet either. It's not about how much you know or how much you've studied or how much scripture or how much school you have or how many Bible studies you've been through. I mean, they're coming back and going, really, if you want to know what love is, if you really want to know what the church should be, we want you to look at Jesus because he was really going, he's the most knowledgeable, he knows everything, and he's saying, I'm hoping that the church will be like me, which is full of love, not empty knowledge that fills with pride. Those who think they know something do not yet know anything as they should. Now, here's my translation. You're not as smart as you think you are, Christian. You're not as smart as you think you are. So when you come across as arrogant and full of pride, and you come across as, well, I've just been a Christian longer than you, and I just know I need to tell you something, and I just feel like you're not really doing this right, and blah, 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 blah. I'm just telling you that the Scripture is full of warnings for people like that, and we've all been there, if we're honest. But look at Proverbs 16, 18. Pride leads to, what's this word? Yeah, that ain't a good word. This is not good. This is like when you feel like, man, I got this figured out, and I'm going to come in here and tell you how to do something. It's like, no, man, pride leads to destruction, and arrogance leads to downfall. So the question is, or the challenge is, is can you stay humble? Can you keep humility as a tool in your toolbox to deal with whatever is coming at you? No matter how smart you get, no matter how much you know, or no matter how long you've been a Christian, a sign of maturity is not saying, well, I studied the Bible more and I'm just telling you I've got a lot on it. No, it would be coming in like, man, I hadn't figured out a lot, but here's what I'm working on. And this is kind of what I'm beginning to see and this is what God's teaching me. But man, I'm not an expert. And I am telling you, I'm not saying that in false humility. I am telling you I'm not an expert. But the more I look at it and the more I read it, I'm like, it's pretty simple. God, help me to believe this, to live this. When you look at James 4, 6, this is why you don't want to be full of pride. That is why the scripture said God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Could it be that the reason Simple Church has been so successful in reaching people and having an awesome baptism record and, you know, as far as reaching all of these amazing people in our community is maybe because we really don't know what we're doing and we're really not as smart as what other people think they are and we're not trying to come at you and go, well, let me tell you why you need to do this and get, blah, blah, blah. It's like, man, listen, we found Jesus. He has changed our life and I am telling you that I am humbly presenting him and as I'm working through becoming like him, I hope you'll join us on this journey. And as we're on this journey together, I don't want to use the Bible to beat you over the head or to prove my point or to point my finger at you. Are you ready for this? This is the one you need to remember. Why don't we use the Bible as a bridge to culture, not a barricade against it? See, this is what's radically different for me growing up in church. The Bible is always used to point the finger and get mad at somebody and tell them why they're wrong and blah, blah, blah. When the truth is, this is Jesus. This is his word. This is his love letter to us. And if we use it as this barricade, 
then you block out the potential people to come to Jesus. And you go, well, yeah, I hear you. Well, let me just walk through this. The advice, the advice excuse me, most of us forget. Most Christians just kind of forget this part, especially those mature. James 1, 22. Don't fool yourself into thinking you're a listener when you're really anything but. I'm talking about the Word of God. Letting the Word go in one ear and out the other because this is the real issue. Act on what you hear. See, this is where he's going, look, if you're going to be mature, if you're going to be this mature Christian, the real issue is not how much you know, but it is how you treat people. It is how you handle relationships. It is what you do in your life when it talks going outside these doors, when you get into the real world. It's about acting on what you know. Some of you go, well, man, I don't know very much. Dude, if you only know this much, but if you act on what you know, you can be very Christ-like. The problem is many people know this much and don't act on any of it. And then it confuses the world, confuses your own kids. Because you're going, man, we're in church, you're doing all these Bible studies, but then you come home and get all over me and be ugly to me. And you're mad at mom and you're cussing at her and you're mad at work and you're always complaining about this and complaining about that. Like you say, you, you know a lot, but you sure ain't acting like it. This is where all of us can learn. Now I found this video and I've played it one other time, I think in the 15 years, but it's a pretty powerful video. There's a song that goes with it. But the reason I chose it is because I can relate. It's a guy who's winning an award and he's preparing his speech as he gets ready to accept this award. But as he goes on this journey, I think all of us, if you look close enough and if you listen to the lyrics, you'll go, I think I can relate. Because you will see pride and why it leads to our destruction. Watch. Got your best man on your front side. You always show your best side. And evil's always on the other side. You say this is your strategy.
I don't know if you can relate, but I definitely can relate. Sometimes it's with my kids. Sometimes it's with a stranger. You know, people put out an image or what they hope. And then the truth is we get out there and somebody cuts you off in the parking lot and Jesus is not in the building. Or you get home, it's been a rough day at work and things are going on and you forget this Sunday service. You treat your kids bad or you're short with an employee and then you start thinking what if they really look to you to see Jesus and maybe that's their only chance they're not coming to church they're not watching church they're not seeing anything and they're just going man oh no if there's anything that I have been working on in my life or that I believe is true and I know I need to put more emphasis on is this next statement. Talking about a sign is like how we live is more important than what we know. So when it comes down to following Jesus, it can't just be a portion, a day, an hour. No, it's like, man, I'm working on it. And how I live minute by minute, hour by hour, and day by day matters because it's not about how much Bible I've studied or how many songs I've sung or how many worship nights I've attended or whatever it is that you may think is it. It's not. And this world's desperate for someone to show them Jesus. And this is why in Simple Church, people criticize really quick, and I get it, because from the outside, it's hard to see. You might not understand it. But what I really hope for you and for me is that this becomes the truth for who we are and what we are. Is it won't be, man, they're just, man, they could really worship, man, they could do, and I love our band, and we're going to have a great worship night, but I don't want to be known for worship in a building. Man, that dude can break down the word, brother. Man, when he gets up there, brother, I don't want to be known as a great preacher. What I want us to be known for is, is man, they change our community. Man, they changed the world by the way they treat people, by the way they live. Now, it's true. We're going to have to study some scripture to get there. That's why we're in here and try to break it down for you. It's true that worshiping God definitely helps you. If you can get into a place of worship, all those things happen. But unfortunately, in the Christian world today, let's all be honest. If we're not real careful, we're real prideful on how good we are at those things. And then we're real quick to revert back to pointing the finger and looking down at other people because they're not, quote, where we are. And that leads me to our second point. How you know you're not as mature as you think you are is when you're tough on outsiders 
and you're easy on the insiders. It's kind of that double standard. If you have ever found yourself saying things like this, I can't stand them. I can't believe they act that way. I can't believe they do that. This world is horrible, honey. Do you understand how bad this world is? Do you understand that these people, I'm telling you, this world, and we've all, don't look around. Remember, keep looking at her. Honey, do not elbow him. Look ahead. Because we've all been there. But here's the shocking part. When you're going, man, it's the world. I can't believe they're like this. I can't believe they're doing that. You're right, but God is not surprised. Examples, Genesis 6. The Lord observed. He's still looking. The extent of human weakness on the earth, and he saw. He's still seeing. Everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. This is going all the way back. This is the story of Noah. If you guys didn't grow up, you don't know. But he's looking at the world going, man, this place is messed up. God knows it's messed up. So the Lord was sorry that he had made them and that he was sorry he put them on earth. And that's where everybody's like, me too. I, they should, that group should have never been on that. And that group of people should have and they shouldn't have. But this is the part we overlook. But it broke his heart. So is your heart broken by it or are you just wanting to send them to devastation? Send them to hell. I tell you what, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. And I'm telling you, if we don't blah, 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 blah. And everybody gets real arrogant and real, and thank God it ain't me. Oh, I tell you what, man, I'm not, but they're bad and this one's bad. This is the way the church is that I grew up in. Always pointing, I can't believe they did that. Ball, them, 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 whatever. So what did God do in Genesis? And the mature in the room screamed, he wiped them out, Justin. That's what I want to do. Have you forgotten he flooded the world, bro? When they got evil and they weren't doing the right thing, that's what needs to happen right now. Matter of fact, that's why these hurricanes are coming up. That's what happened to New Orleans. He had to just wipe it out because God is vengeance and he ain't going to put up with that. Okay, Old Testament, time out. You forgot there's the back half. See, there's something called the Old Testament and then there's something called the New Testament. So be careful what you wish for. When you are pointing the finger and you're saying, I can't believe this, I can't believe that. Have you forgotten mature one, deep one who studies the Bible and you know everything? Have you forgotten this simple verse? We learned it last week, but look. This is how God loved the world. This is how much he loved the world. That he sent his only son, the most prized possession he had, his one and only son. And this is why, are you ready for this? So that no one need be, what's this word? So they wouldn't be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone the worst of the worst, whoever they meet, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Now, that's just the first part of the verse because the verse continues when you start looking at 17 and 18 as it goes on. And then look at this. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger as we do as the church or as the mature Christian. I'm going to tell you what they're doing. Have you seen what they're doing? I'm going to tell you right now. Did you see that? No, he, by telling the world how bad it was, you know that you're wrong. Do you know that I know because I'm a tour and I study more word and I'm more, and I'm just telling you, you're wrong and you're wrong. And I'm just telling you, no, he didn't do that. God didn't do that. It goes on. No, he came to help put the world right again. Thank you, Jesus. We're not under the old Testament. Because he started saying, hey, he's like, listen, I know what you think and I know what you believe, but I'm telling you, I came, I sent my son to this planet because I love you and I care for you and I don't want anyone to be destroyed. So this idea of the Old Testament, I, that's the Old Testament. There is a New Testament. And the New Testament is, I love you so much, I'm going to do everything I can to keep you from being destroyed. And guess what? And he calls us to be like him. So as you look in John 13, a new command I give you. Now, you know the old commands, right? Ten commandments. But then Jesus comes in and he's like, hey, listen, y'all know the old ten, right? Y'all got that? And everybody's like, oh, of course I do. I'm mature. I grew up in church. 
I want to put him in front of the courthouse because that's going to change everything. He's like, oh, no, 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 time out. No, what I want you to do is put this in your heart, not out on a pedestal in front of a building. What did he want us to put? A new command I give you. They're going, we don't need no new commands. We got 10. We're good with them. Why do we need a new one? He's like, no, no, you need this one because you miss me. I want you to love one another. As I loved you, how did he love you, sinner? How did he love you? You must also love one another. He gave you grace, so he wants you to extend grace. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. You want to talk about discipling people? It's not how much you know, it's how you treat people. It's how you care for people. It's how you represent Christ to people. See, because Jesus comes in, he goes, my laws are higher, my laws are harder than the, even the 10 that you remember. That you might even could quote. My laws are even more difficult. And everybody that knew it, because back then there were real prideful, arrogant, religious people just like today who were real prideful on what they knew and how they could quote scripture. And Jesus came in and he goes, hey, by the way, this is Jesus, not me, Matthew 5. You've heard it said, hadn't you? This is one of my favorite. You've heard it said. You know why he's saying that? Because he's going, hey, y'all know the Old Testament? Because they were prideful. They knew they knew the Old Testament. Oh, you know the ten. Oh, people long ago, this is the Old Testament. You said it to the people long ago. You shall not murder. That's in the Ten Commandments. Y'all remember? So then Jesus comes in and he goes, and anyone who murders will be what? Subject. They're subject to judgment. They need to be wiped out. We need to wipe them out. That's what God does. But then here's Jesus. But I tell you. Jesus is why you gotta love him. He's like, oh, okay, you got it good. But I tell you, then anyone who's even angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Do what, Jesus? Say that again. That means when you go out here and somebody cuts you off and you're mad at them and you give them the number one finger, yeah, you're number one. We'll be in danger of the fire of hell. Well, I ain't never murdered nobody. I can tell you that. And he's like, but you ever been mad at somebody? Another one on the list. If you look at this chapter, you want to go read something? You want to go deep? Here's some deep for you. Go look at that Matthew 5 and start looking through when he went into adultery. And he was like, oh, y'all know what? You've heard it said before, thou shalt not commit adultery. Y'all know that. And they're like, right, in the Ten Commandments. I remember that. And he said, hey, I got one for you, boys. If you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. And they're like, man, Jesus, come on, bro. Nobody doing that. If the Chippendales have come on and you thought something, lady, you in get you go. Thunder from down under. You going to the down under. <laughs> Jesus was like, I'm gonna level the playing field, mature. Oh, you know what? You've heard it said, Jesus said, eye for an eye. Y'all remember eye for an eye? That's exactly right. Somebody hit you, you hit them back. And Jesus said, No, I'm telling you to turn the other cheek. They're like, this dude lost his mind. He thinks he's writing, he's writing new commandments. He's changing. Yeah, because the old's gone. New has come. And then you really want to go next level? You've heard of loving your neighbor. And they're like, oh, absolutely. And then they say, well, who's your neighbor? And they would go through all that. Remember, he's the one that picked Samaritans, the worst of the worst, the half-breeds, the wrong religion, everything about him. He'd pick them to be their neighbor and be the hero of the story. And they're going, this guy's lost his mind. And then he'd go next level and he'd say, yeah, I want you to love your enemies. I don't want you to hate your enemies. I want you to love your enemies. So here's what I'm learning, and here's what I want you to know. If you want to know the most mature thing to do, if you want to know the next level, really deep. You ready? We don't like this. But simply, love people. All people. The world people. The sinner people. Now, I thought about this and went around the office. I was like, what images could I put on screen to portray this? And we all debated this. But we looked through Christianity. And as we look through Christianity, there's people that we don't like traditionally. They say, oh, they're, they're the enemy. They're the bad guy. This is what's going on. So I'm going to put them on the screen because let me ask you, do you love these people? Or are you the one pointing the finger and saying, that's who needs to be wiped off the face of the earth. They need judgment. They need to be, I'm telling you, God's going, because uh, mature, deep, Christian, not if you read the New Testament. It's because what Jesus was telling us is the only way they're going to know 
is by the way you love them. And now again, this is just a representation. You could pick any group. You could pick a political party. You could pick an ex-wife. I tried to put your ex-wife up here, but they didn't send me the picture. But then I know some of y'all are saying, but, well, but Justin, but wait a second. Those folks are messed up. You got people up there that are sinners. And I hear you, but here's the truth. Are you ready for this? So are you. And so am I. So when I put this next little phrase on the screen, that's all of us. Now, we love to categorize and we love to point the finger and we say, that one's wrong, that ain't no way. And Jesus comes back and says, make sure that we're all clear. Everyone has sinned and is far away from God's saving presence. That means you and me, mature one. And Jesus didn't turn away from us when we were in sin. He didn't turn his back on us. He didn't point the finger. He didn't destroy us. He didn't give us judgment. He came in and demonstrated his love. And Romans 5, 8 says it's like this, that Christ died for us while we were sinners. Does that mean you cleaned up, that you got your act right, you didn't drink quite as much, you didn't sleep around, and then all of a sudden you figured out, no, no, no. While you were in that place, he never even asked you, never even thought that you would, but he said, I will die for you before you get better. And he was going to show us why, how much he loves us. Romans 5, 8, he showed us how much. Christ demonstrated while we were sinners. This is why as believers, if you're mature, if you are a mature Christian, it's not how much you know. It's can you follow his example. Because when we experience his love, Jesus hoped his prayer still to this day is, is that you and I would represent him and we would share it. That you wouldn't be pointing the finger Old Testament that is gone. You wouldn't be trying to justify your sin. You'd be going, man, only by the grace of God. I am a sinner. I am humbly coming to you going, dude, I am messing up every way. I don't have it figured out, but my goal is to represent him. And I don't want to do anything to distract from that. And then when you go, what is 1 John 3, 16 and 17? You know John 3, 16, but how about 1 John? And this is how we've come to understand and experience love. Well, what is this love thing? Oh, here it is. Christ sacrificed his life for us, that we would do the same thing, that we'd be willing to sacrifice what we want, what we like. Why? So that we would also live sacrificially for other people, so that we wouldn't just be about ourselves. And unfortunately, somehow in the church, it gets into this thing where we're pointing the finger and bad-mouthing people and justifying where we ignore what goes on inside the church. But we sure point out everybody else's sin. But boy, if somebody sins inside the church, sometimes we just, shh, don't know that. That's different. And I'm telling you, no, man, this is why he was like going, hey, this is how we know what love is. Is we had a savior send his son and sacrificed everything so that we ought to do the same thing. So this is why you talk about the do good side of it, why I challenge you to get outside yourself, because it's not in just knowing it. It's that when you walk out of here and you have an opportunity, you do it. It's not that you just go, well, I know that. Well, a lot of people know a lot of stuff, but we don't really do it. So then it continues on. If you see your brother or sister in need and you have the means to do something about it, this is where some of the do good comes through. And you turn a cold shoulder and you do nothing. What happens to God's love? He goes, it disappears. And who made it disappear? You did. See, this is why I'm not there yet. I am telling you, I am a sinner. I am working through because I can mess up at my home. I can mess up in the public. I can mess up anywhere. And I'm like, Jesus, I don't want to make your love disappear. This past week, I got a phone call for a dispatcher that was going through some stuff. And I had things I needed to do. You ever been there before? You got a decision of whether you're going to help somebody or you're going to mow your grass. And in my mind, I was like, I really need to mow my grass. Take the call and listen and don't make his love disappear. When you get out of here and somebody's slow at the restaurant, last week we had a slow, slow experience. Everything in me, me and my friends, we left right out of church, we went and ate, and it was just dragging on. My chicken was rubber. You ever had rubber chicken? 
restaurants, how do you have rubber chicken? So then I'm like, don't make that love disappear because I want to go like, you got rubber chicken? And they're like, oh, aren't you the pastor of Simba Church? I'm like, no, that's my twin brother. <laughs> you just don't get that option all the time. You know what I'm saying? Some of you say, well, I love people, Justin, but come on. I hear what you're saying, but come on. This is my favorite verse of the day. Because you're mature. But I'm mature. I know everything, but I'm just telling you. Are you ready to this? Here it is. Little children. Little babies. Hey, little baby Christians. Stop saying you love people. And really love them by what you know, by singing your songs, by Bible study, by wearing a t-shirt putting a bumper sticker on show it by your actions this is the toughest part of like Christianity I wish it was easy I like when people say man I gave my life to Christ and my life just got easier no it's going to be harder than ever it's the most difficult thing to do period and a matter of fact you cannot do it unless he helps you you're not going to be successful at it so if you really want to be mature if you really want to go deep if you really want to be a disciple of Christ test yourself and how do you define it it is not what you know, but it is how you treat others. That is Jesus. That is not me. And I am not there, but this is the goal for me. This is the goal for us as a church. So that people criticize 15 years from now, another one, we're 30 years old. I hope that what they're criticized, they're just shallow. I'm telling you, they just don't go deep enough in the Word. But what I hope they really see in which you've already been doing a pretty good job over 15 years and we got more work to do, is that we live it out. And I don't care what sin they're in. I don't care who labels it as, oh my gosh, it can't be that person in here. I don't care what your sin is, because guess what? Whatever your sin is, I have them too. And Jesus accepted me, and guess what? The simple church accepts you too. Because our goal is, yeah, you can clap for that. Somebody said, man, thank God. Because here's the goal. When we walk with Jesus and when you get introduced to Jesus, it begins to change you. Not religion, not deep people, but mature Christians, they really show you Jesus. And they show you grace and they show you love. And there ain't no yeah, but to it. And that's why Jesus ate with sinners. He hung out with prostitutes and none of us would like that. Boy, you, can you imagine Jesus in this Twitter world today? Uh MJ saw Jesus at the bar with the prostitute. I knew I couldn't follow him. Exclamation, frowny face, frowny face, frowny face. I heard he picked a thief to be on his staff. OMG. Thumb down, thumb down on Matthew. Oh my God, I heard he picked a Samaritan. You can't pick Samaritans. We know they're half-breeds. They're mixed-breeds. They're the outsider. They're not, they don't even believe like us. How in the world could the Samaritan be the hero? And guess who it was saying all those things? The deep people. The mature. The Pharisees. And I've been thinking about it. I think next week I'm going to do signs that you're a Pharisee message. How's that sound? That'd be fun, huh? Yeah. We're all clapping because it might be us. Easy. I think I am. Because here's the real goal. You ready? John 13. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you, what? Man, that's, that's it. So the deepest, most mature thing you can do, the deepest thing, how you know you're deep, how you know you really got it, is when you come down to loving people. All people, regardless of sin, regardless of background, regardless of skin color, regardless of nationality, regardless of where they come through, through, it don't matter. You just go, man, I'm going to love them, and I'm going to let Jesus handle it, because guess what? I'm not God, and I'm not the judge, and I'm not going to put myself in a position where if they see me, they see ugly, judgmental. They will see grace and love, what Jesus extended to me. Is it irrational? Yeah. And sometimes love is irrational, isn't it? And Jesus was irrational for us. So if you really don't want to get involved in church and don't want to sign up for church, I applaud you. But here's what I challenge you with. 
fall in love with Jesus. Don't let the church or Christianity cause you to miss Jesus. I watched an interview last night with Jack White. He's going to be playing at Municipal Auditorium tonight. My son's working for him. He's going over there. So I was just looking it up. He was Dan Rather. Anybody remember old Dan Rather? Like old people only. But he's interviewing him. And Jack White comes out and he goes, man, I grew up in Christianity. I grew up in church. My family was real religious. And he goes, but man, I kind of got really frustrated with the church because I didn't want my kids, when I have kids, to be raised where religion was the priority and missed a relationship with God. That's Jack White. And I go, man, Jack, I'm with you. So I'm going to just tell you, I don't want your kids to miss Jesus because of religion or church. And I don't want them to miss it because you missed it. Maybe you want to pray with me. And this is what I pray. God, you know I'm a sinner. You know I don't do it right. You know I'm messed up. I have bad thoughts. I do the wrong thing. But I am so thankful, Jesus, that you came and you loved me when I wasn't right and when I'm still not right. You gave me grace and love and mercy. And in return, God, I want to give you my life. I'm going to try to do better. I want to follow you. I want to do everything I can to be more like you and not like the world I'm in and not like the church sometimes that I see. I ain't worried about going deep, God, as far as what I know. What I really want to do is I want to be deep in a relationship with you. And yes, your word can help. And yes, songs help and all these different things. But God, don't let me miss up, mess up and miss you in the midst of all that. So if someone never has given their life to you, Jesus, I don't, they're not walking aisles. We're not raising hands. God, it's in their heart. It's in their seat. It's watching TV right now. They'd go, man, this is it. I need you, Jesus. Come into my life. I admit I'm a sinner. I believe you are who you say you are, and I commit myself to you. And God, you promise through your word that you will begin to walk with us. Just like you did those disciples when they were still doubters and sinners, you walked with them until they saw you, until they emulated you, until they became like you. And they're still sinners. They still messed up too. But what we figured out is, man, walking with you is way better than doing it on our own. So Jesus, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I get an amen somewhere? Amen. If you prayed the prayer, please tell us on the communication card. Plan to be in a baptism on October 30th. But I got a video for you before you walk out of here. Because last week I lied to you. I got to end on video. And I was like, you know what? I thought my boy Steve Hartman only did one sign video. I lied to you. Say I'm a sinner anyway. Here's another sign video. And I have a feeling you'll see why I played it. It goes right along with what we're talking about. Watch. In New Orleans, Louisiana, like any city in America, there are thousands of signs constantly trying to push you away, pull you in, or simply fatten you up. But we found one sign here that has no agenda. No agenda at all. This sign, and hundreds like it, have been popping up on utility poles all over the city. You've probably seen the new signs all over town. More than 350 signs. On the local news, they've been trying to figure out who put them up. Yeah, I would like to know who did it. And why. But what does it mean? Some wondered if it was part of an ad campaign or promotion for an upcoming Prince concert. But as we learned, the truth is as simple as the sign. I kind of think of it like a social experiment. The two guys behind this, who choose to remain anonymous, say they just wanted to find out if seeing the word more would make people feel the word more. I believe the power of language and words can transform. And the more you think it, the more you speak it, the more real it becomes, and that's what I believe. To test the belief, they have plotted the signs on a map and will later cross-reference the locations with crime statistics. A naive hypothesis, yes, but still really sweet. Awesome. The two men are both unemployed. They got the money for the signs when one of them fell into a small inheritance and decided to share the love. And whether or not it works on the city as a whole, they say it's already worked on at least two people. Yeah, <laughs> it has. A little bit, right. You, you read it effects. enough and you're trying to get right. it out there, it does wear off. It's, it's had a great effect probably on both of our attitudes and psyches. And if you're smiling right now, maybe they are onto something. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in New Orleans. Come on, y'all, give me a little love. That's pretty cool. Now, because you've been a good audience, I'm going to give you one more video because you've paid attention and you see how the signs work. And if you want to know if love is powerful, you know, I like humor. I like to make you laugh. I like to walk out of here with a good attitude. And this is a video that you're not going to believe. You got to see to believe. But if you wonder if love is powerful, 
There's no better way to believe it when you see this next video. And it's not what you think. Watch. At most zoos, it's the visitors who are excited to see the animals. But here at the L.A. Zoo, they've got an animal. Here he comes, Steve. Who loves this visitor. Mario. He knows I'm his friend. I'm late, Mario. When you realize that an animal has this unconditional love for you, what do you do? Be right with you. It's a conundrum retired salesman Dominic Erler first faced four years ago. Let's go, Mario. Back then, Mario lived in a public park, just one of many geese who lived here. But whereas the others pretty much stuck with their own species, Mario had a different allegiance. So how was your night? They walk around the park together like they're in love. It's wonderful. People would look at us like, what is this? What, they've never seen a guy walking with well, a goose before? Yeah, that's a pretty, much that's, the, yeah. pretty much a fact. It wasn't that he fed the goose. He didn't even coax it. For whatever reason, Mario just liked him, started following him, and eventually even became protective of him. Be nice. Don't bite the dog. And if you think that's devotion. Okay, come on. Look what used to happen when Dominic tried to leave. He'd take off on that scooter and Mario would be right there, right by his side. Obviously, this was a problem. On most days, Dominic had no choice but to turn around, go back into the park, and wait for Mario to fall asleep. Has it changed you in any way? Are you a different person in any way? I quit eating poultry. You did? Yes, I had no way. I used to think birds were dumb. This has changed all that. You look wonderful. After our story first aired, Beautiful. Mario got so famous, city officials took him out of the park and put him in the zoo for his own protection. Of course, that meant he couldn't get back to see his friend, which is why his friend now comes here. Virtually every morning for the past three years, Dominic has stopped by to visit. Mario couldn't be happier. But what's in all this for Dominic? Why would a guy devote so much of his retirement to a goose? Well, you know how I told you he used to be a salesman? Wait till you hear what he used to sell. I used to sell rotisseries that... You sold rotisseries? Yeah, that's, if that's my atonement or whatever it is. Atonement for selling those rotisseries? That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Steve Hartman, on the road. I'll see you tomorrow. In Los Angeles. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Come on, y'all, give it up for some goose love. By the way, I still love chicken, all right? I just want y'all to know that. But can you imagine if our love was so worthy that they did videos on it? Not just animals, but the way we love people. God, let it be said of us, all right? I love y'all, dude. Until next week, I can't wait to see you. Let's go try to show them some good signs out there. Until next week, what do we say? Peace. Peace.